This is the daily lectionary readings for July the 31st. We're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 16, where we at last meet David for the first time, and also Acts 25, beginning at verse 13, where we're introduced to Agrippa, another leader before whom Paul is to give a defense while he is incarcerated. Okay, 1 Samuel chapter 16. This is an important chapter because we meet for the first time who is the, the one who is really the subject of First and Second Samuel. First and Second Samuel are one book. They are divided into two in the scripture because uh, Hebrew books used to be written in scrolls. And First and Second Samuel together was just too long for one scroll, so they divided it into two scrolls. But there's really no change going from the last chapter of 1 Samuel to the first chapter of 2 Samuel. 1 and 2 Samuel as a volume are about David, not about Samuel. Samuel is a transitional character. He is, a trans, he, he is a, the greatest of the judges, and he is almost a king. So he forms a bridge between the period of the judges and the rise of the United Monarchy. And um, so that's, that's why the books have his name. But the books are really about David. And notice we're about halfway through 1 Samuel. And the first time we meet the king that God himself has chosen. So the whole rise of Samuel is to set us up for kingship. And kingship begins with the selection of Saul. And it was pointed out when we meet Saul that he was head and shoulders above everybody else and very handsome. He looked like a king. We have a very different introduction to David. David is uh, represented as being very handsome, very beautiful, but also very young. And so young that when Samuel actually showed up at the house of Jesse, uh, Jesse trotted out all of his sons, one after the next, except David. The one uh, that was God's choice was overlooked entirely by Jesse. You can possibly mean this kid. He's out watching the sheep. Maybe he'll amount to something someday, but certainly not yet. Now, an important factor when talking about David in his introduction is the reference is made a number of times to David's heart. We have heard something about David before this chapter. Remember, Samuel told Saul that the kingdom was being ripped away from him and that God had selected another to be prince over Israel, a man after his own heart. So he wasn't named at that time, but we now know who this was. And now here, in this introduction, uh, when, when Jesse and the others are mystified that, uh, that God does not want any of these fine specimens of the sons of Jesse, that the point is made that God does not see as men sees, he sees the heart. So once again, we have a reference to David's heart. And so what is this talking about? Well, <clears throat> we're going to learn more about David as we go through, of course, First and Second Samuel. And we're going to learn what kind of a man David was. And we're going to find that David was not known to be exceptionally obedient or to have a, an, an especially controlled life. He was given to appetites sometimes. He was certainly given to to violence at times, um, could be vengeful. But one thing could be said about David, he was known for his absolute allegiance 
allegiance to the one true God. He absolutely made no deal with the devil. He did not bow down to the Baals or the Asherahs. He was the absolute enemy of all the enemies of the God of, of Moses. And so if we had to say, what is it about David's heart that we're really looking at? What is it that makes him sort of unique? It's this aspect, David's absolute allegiance to the Lord, which is to be contrasted. Note that, you know, when we went through the book of Judges, it was sometimes hard to tell whether the judges were all that devoted to God to begin with, and the people clearly were not. Saul is now an example of somebody who clearly is not um, wholly devoted to the Lord. We're going to see that future kings are going to fail in this aspect as well, but not David. And when you read a, a large chunk of the Psalms are written by David, and so you really could get a look into his heart, and you see that David is, uh, <clears throat> many things might be said about him. One thing you have to say about him is he loved the Lord his God, absolutely. So even when he was not entirely obedient uh, or, or given to, to anger, still he loved the Lord. Now, in contrast, let's take a little look here at what the text implies about Saul. Note that Saul, <clears throat> although he's not in this text, when the Lord says to Samuel, you know, fill your flask with oil and go, Samuel is quite nervous about this. Because he, he, he's feeling like if anybody sees me going, they're going to know why I am taking a flask of oil. You know, the rumors are already out there that Saul and, and Samuel have a falling out. When, when Samuel arrives at Jesse's house, or for that matter, in Bethlehem, the leaders of the town want to know if he's coming peaceably. And it makes the point that they were trembling. Now, why is this? And it's clear that the people were afraid about Saul, what Saul is going to do, because Saul and Samuel have become divided, and Samuel is God's prophet. And so at this point, it really appears that Saul feels very threatened by what Samuel might do next. And anyway, Samuel seems to perceive this. So do the people of Bethlehem. So this is extraordinary. David is anointed, but in secret. So the father and the brothers know that David is anointed, but nobody else knows. Again, looming in the background is the idea that Saul, who has been rejected by the Lord, uh, is now actually actively plotting against and planning to fight against God's next move, uh, whoever he's going to anoint. So this sets us up for what's going to be coming down in the complicated relationship between uh, David and Saul. We already have a vision of that complicated relationship because although the text says that God sent a, a spirit, a harmful spirit to, to torment Saul, by the way, there's just something to tell us that if you turn away from God, then God does become your enemy. And it's not just that he'll ignore you. He might very well make your life hard. And Saul has turned away from God and God is now be actively becoming Saul's enemy. But no, it's not just his enemy. God also provides David to Saul. Now, Saul doesn't know that David is the future, you know, king, but, but David is provided by the Lord to Saul. So not only is, the, is Saul tormented by you know, this, this, this harmful spirit, but he's also comforted by the music and the presence of David, who no doubt sang songs very much like the Psalms we now have 
uh, in our scripture. So a complicated relationship begins here, and that is going to continue to develop. Saul loves David, kind of. He also wants to kill him, so that's a problem. Um, David is the future king, but refuses to take aggressive action to win the kingdom until God is ready to give it to him. So more on this as we go forward. Okay, Acts chapter 25. I've, I've spent most of my time already talking about 1 Samuel chapter 16, but let's take a look at this transitional passage. It's very interesting um, because we, we get kind of a look at the Roman perspective of what's going on. Festus is the Roman governor. He's ruling in Caesarea. He's got this prisoner, and this prisoner is in all kind of trouble with the Jews, and Festus clearly doesn't understand the issues here at all. His predecessor, Felix, did, because Felix was married to a Jewish wife, and so he was actually fairly knowledgeable about these things. Festus is not, so he, he is just trying to figure out what Paul is talking about, what the Jews are all upset about, and he has no idea. As far as a Roman is concerned, this has nothing to do with anything that needs to be in a Roman court, certainly nothing that anybody needs to be put to death for. All right, so, but the problem is that Paul has appealed to Caesar, which means he's going to be sent to Rome and he's going to get a trial in Rome. Now, Festus needs to tell the Roman authorities something about what's going on here, or they're going to have absolutely no idea how to judge or rule this case. And he doesn't know what to do. It happens that Agrippa, uh, this Herod Agrippa, this is a Jewish king. He's a puppet king that is ruling in Jerusalem. So you have a Roman governor who rules over part of of uh, Israel. You have a puppet king who is ruling over Jerusalem and other parts of Israel. And they happen to be both in Caesarea at the same time. And uh, Festus says, look, you can help me. I don't understand any of this stuff. You're a Jew. Surely you can help me. And so he, he's, he's seeking help from Agrippa to hear this man's case and tell me what I ought to tell the Roman authorities. And what's interesting here is that Agrippa seems to be kind of eager to hear uh, from Paul. And in fact, he was eager to hear from Paul. And in tomorrow's devotion, we're going to hear Paul's defense and Agrippa's reaction to this. And we're getting more of a sense for how the powers that be in first century Israel were reacting to the spread of Christianity, the proclamation of the gospel and the various controversies it's caused. So that is for tomorrow.